You're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley, back again for another week. Uh, this is going to be the fortnight of champions. So this week we've actually got for the first time Des Creek on board. So the defending champion of Supercoach overall, who's also a main contributor for the fantastic Supercoach playbook. Des, how is the um, how is the defending championship going for this season? How are you looking, mate? Yeah, I'd like to say it's going well, but unfortunately, it's basically just non-existent. Um, I'm ranked about 20,000th, but you know, like I play the game to have a chance to win. So whether I come 20,000th or 100th makes no difference to me because you know I've already been blessed with an awful lot to win the whole thing. So if my wrists sort of pay off, I have a chance at winning. If they don't, then I'm happy enough to just come 20,000th, especially in a season like this where. Just, it's really hard to make up ground, you know. Took a few big risks at the start of the season. Started without Teddy. Basically just crippled my season from the get-go. I got him in a few weeks ago and he's been quiet ever since. Yeah, it's just those sort of things. It's that sort of season for me, making the right trades at the wrong times. And what I realized last year, that's what Supercoach is in essence. Timing your trades to perfection. If you can do that, then you're a serious shot at coming like very highly ranked and people talk about picking pods and stuff like that. But in the end, it's all about timing of trades, not necessarily pods. You could still essentially win Supercoach without picking any pods as long as you do everything else perfectly. And unfortunately, that fullback position for me this year has been far from perfect. Yeah, fullback makes it really hard. I mean, I think we'll, um, to start off for everyone listening, we'll, we'll do a bit of a Q&A because we've gone over a few topics on this podcast probably the last month in sort of some strategy setups um, where we've done some segments on strategy and, and things to look for and stuff. And um, obviously with Des being a, a past winner, it'd be really interesting to get his input and sort of his take on things. So we'll do a bit of that first and just have a bit of a revision of what we've done the last month before we go into TLT together and, and get Des's take on Teamless Tuesday for this round. Um, but Des, you bring up a really interesting point. As far as this particular super coach season, obviously, you know, you're, you're, you've gone from number one to 20,000, which is a pretty big drop. I've, yeah, yeah I, and I mean, look, I've, I've finished reasonably highly in the past. Um, the last, the last year or two, I haven't gone as well as what I would have hoped, but this year I found particularly hard. I think most of the listeners would know that, uh, people like Wilfred and Bear aren't doing well as past champions either, and they're on fairly regularly. Uh, and then other guys that are pretty good avid super coaches that we know aren't doing that great either. And Billy's, uh, way down in the doldrums himself. So, I mean, what do you, what's your impression about this particular super coach season? Why do you think it's been so different? Yeah, I, it's just been really cutthroat. If it's just like, if you miss one big week from guys like Teddy or Ponga, then you're basically out of the running. So there's no way to come back. I think we've seen a lot higher averages across the board from most super coach relevant players. And just some enormous round scores. It's been more about picking guys with the highest ceilings rather than picking the consistent base players, which is what Supercoach has really been in the past. And the lack of buy rounds has made it much harder to make up ground if you're back in the park. And it's been really hard to find any sort of pods that can help you make up that ground back up because the guys at the top already have the best players in their 17. And if you do pick pod players, they can't really outscore those top players um 
so it's it's just one of those things. Last year was super stressful towards the end. I didn't really get to enjoy my footy, but this year I definitely have been enjoying it more. Um, those guys at the top of the rankings will start to see what I mean in the next few weeks. When you're at work, all you can think about is Supercoach. When you go to bed at night, all you can think about is Supercoach. Life will be taken over by Supercoach in the next couple of weeks if you have a chance to win, I'll tell you that much. Well, I, I haven't been close to winning, and I, I, that's still me anyway, so <laughs> it's, maybe I need to relax a bit more. I agree with everything that you said. I mean, it's something that we've discussed before as well as is the trades and stuff, and you made a really good point on um, on the timing of trades and things and also the high upside guys. So one of the things that I haven't really mentioned that much on, on the podcast is um, as far as high upside guys go, it has been a template in the past that you get a really strong forward pack and you have those consistent forwards, um, like someone like Lolo is a good example, uh, and you have those guys there that are just consistently giving you a good foundation of points of that, you know, 65, 75 type of range. It doesn't seem that important this year to, to have those forwards. Like in years past, I think at this point, a lot of teams would have sort of, you know, two second row forward guns on the bench and, and two front row forward guns on the bench and just stack the pack and do that whole strategy and you do pretty well with it. I think this year you do actually really bad if you've stacked your pack and you've still got your pack stacked because, like you said, it's they just don't have the upside to kind of chase the points and it looks like there's a lot more points this year to chase. Yeah, in talking about that, it's like, yeah, the reserve your, your reserve players would normally be all forwards or three out of your forward be forwards and maybe one fullback. But this year it's like you have to have it one fullback, one hooker, and then probably two in the halves if you've got enough for the four-gun halves or... Maybe you could get away with one second rower or front rower with high upside, but there's just no point because you're just not going to make up any ground if you don't. Yeah, I mean, it's even at the point now where maybe, you know, doing the whole reserve center wing, which is basically unheard of. If you say that in some super coach groups, you'll probably get booted out. <laughs> I'm going to have, yeah, I'm not just going to be, uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not just going to play four center wings. I'm actually going to play a fifth one that I don't need to. And people will just be like, no, you can't do that, you know. But like you said, blasphemy. But this year, I mean, especially now for the run home, I'm looking at it for this week because oh, I'm only going to have 17 players, not including two plebs that I don't want anywhere near my score by the two trades that I'm making. And having a look at it, it's really hard to afford um, anyone great. So I'm going to have to take a punt on um, on a, a fifth centre wing to actually reserve. But that actually might have been the template for this year. Like if somebody did that and... You talk about guys that have been consistently well-ranked. You know, there's some guys that I know that are a little bit crazy that sort of go the opposite of the stack the pack and like to just do for fun the stack the center wing. And at the start of the year, that looked really bad. Uh, and we sort of were lamenting, that, you know, there's no big center wing players and even the halves maybe weren't that good. But it, it might have been the year where it actually would have worked out. I think if you sort of rode that first sort of four to, four to six weeks, you probably would have ended up better off having a stack center wing at halves. Yeah, I mean, Nofo's been the standout centre wing. You you can't get away with it, not not having him this year. Um, but other than that, like the centre wing, none of them are really averaging over seventy other than Nofo. So they're not super high like scoring, but yeah, the, the upside is definitely there. Most of the top centre wing guys have the ability to go like one ten, one twenty plus, which is what you need. But I think the halves actually probably a better option than centre wing to find those bigger scores. There just there hasn't been that many huge scores in the centre wing this year. I think Nofo's one thirty five or Latrell's one forty one last week is probably the biggest centre wing score we've seen all year. So, oh, Seaver, there hasn't been any. Seaver, oh yeah, Seaver. 
Yeah, he got his 145. Yeah. I've got to point that one out because I owned him and played him for that, so it was great. <laughs> That's huge. <laughs> it's one of those things where I think it's not not necessarily um, that they've all been great. Goes to what you said, where it's sort of you've got to grab those runs, and if if somebody had sort of you know the seven center wings to choose from, you probably had more of a chance of hitting on one of the big score runs. Like I mean. I was going to trade in, uh, and it sounds really bad. Like, and again, some of those, uh, I guess, snobby super coaches would probably thumb their nose at me for even talking about uh, Ravalawa last week. But he was my trade in, and he was only three hundred ninety k, and I couldn't do it because SJ pulled out, and you know, not doing that cost me one hundred and fourteen points versus you know probably forty points that I got off the center wing that I had there instead. And Ravalawa is one of those guys where you think he he's a shit super coach player, but. If you jump on for the run and you're having there for three weeks as an option when he's playing some good teams, you know, that's when the center wing can really turn things around for you. But it's a bit of a fluke too, I guess. Yeah. Uh, what crippled me is when I brought in Ponga um, and then he got a few of those terrible scores and I captained him, for, I think, for that 17. And I got sick of him and a rage traded him out and he's been on fire ever since. Just those sort of things. They really they really burn you up inside <laughs> when yeah. you like playing Supercoach and you do that, that sort of thing. But yeah, that's that's my impression of the season, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, looking at it now, obviously you're a competitor. You're going to compete for the last quarter of the season that we've got to run. What's your trade plan or strategy for the run home? Is there anything specific that you're going to do? Are you are you preparing more for a classic overall finish as high as you can get, or more head-to-head finals? What what are you looking for this last sort of you know quarter of the season run home? Yeah, I've only got like five trades left after this week, actually. So, and one of them is going to be going Brimson, who's in my side now, to Monster next week. So then I'll only have four trades. I haven't really decided yet what I'm going to do with them. I'm obviously out of the overall race, so I may just focus on head to head, but I'm not too invested in any of my head to heads. I'm not in any cash comps or anything like that. I decided not to join any of those. I just needed to relax after last season's intensity, but yeah. I'll probably save a few trades for the last two rounds and go a bit pod crazy on them. Most likely look to get Cam Smith back in to partner Cook for the run home. But other than that, I haven't really thought too much about my last couple of trades. But I assume I'll just pick some, maybe some center wings, like you said, or some halves. Some some people with a high ceiling just, you know, have a bit of fun with it. And are you, are you a team that's sort of carrying, um, some of these injured guys? Like, um, you know, people, people like Payne Haas went down for a couple of weeks with a suspension and there's been some other ones that are pretty similar. Have you been pretty ruthless with getting rid of those guys thinking that you got enough trades and getting them in again later and burning a couple or are you just sort of holding a couple of those sort of guys in your squad at the moment, like the Munsters and the Haases and so forth? Um, I actually got rid of like Monster and Cleary when they got injured. But yeah, I, I think Haas is definitely a hold. Um, he's just, he's too good to sell. Unless your team's in really dire straits, you, you need to get another gun front rower in there. I think Haas is a, a hold. But yeah, earlier in the year, I sold Monster and Cleary. I was happy enough to sell them at the time, but obviously it came back to buy me a bit with not having Cleary as soon as he got back. Cause I said at the start of the year, I, I thought Cleary would be probably the top averaging player by the, by the season's end. And he's he's pushing Tedesco for that mantle right now, so I think he might get it if Penrith storm home and Teddy doesn't pick up his act. But yeah, it's I haven't been injured like I haven't been hit by injuries too hard, not not overly. There'd definitely be some people in worse shape than me injury wise, but 
yeah, it's it's more just I got all my trades wrong and the timing of my trades wrong. I can't blame it on injuries this time, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, sure you can. Everyone can blame it on injuries. There's been enough of them to go around. <laughs> I've um, I, I've been smashed lately. Like I said, I'm I'm barely going to have a, a decent 17 to put on the park this week, and um, I think it was probably a little bit of a fallacy that we all kind of fell for. That um, this tweet, this there's Twitter discussions that I remember and will probably haunt me forever. Where I was chatting to multiple people. Uh, when we came out of the pandemic, closed down of the NRL, and the NRL came back, and everyone was up in arms about Supercoach having too many trades, and you know it, <laughs> it, it not being needed and stuff. And I was saying, you know, this is it's probably going to be a pretty hard season now that we're restarting. There's there's a lot of changes that teams have to make. There's people that have gone back to England. There's people that are you know this and that. People that have been injured. People that have recovered and taken other guys' spots that you started with for round one that are no longer relevant. There's a lot of different things. And then we might get a few more injuries, maybe. And now, of course, it feels like it's just been that type of season where there's been a lot of injuries. Now we've got a crusher crackdown as well. Uh, we've had guys that have gone into quarantine and stuff too. We've got guys like Tavita Pangai, who obviously broke protocol, left the bubble, and are going to be sacked. You know, there's there's been that many things, and all of a sudden, like I think back to those discussions, I think I. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying it like I was right because I wasn't really sure. But now I look back at it and go, if we had that discussion now, I bet you all those people that didn't want all those trades would say we need like ten more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just it's just been one of those years, and it's it, it carnage probably isn't over yet. I assume a couple of the top players are going to get rested in these last in these last few weeks as well. Maybe some of the Penrith players. Keep your eye on it for sure. Some of those Penrith um, center wings might get rested which would be absolutely crippling for a lot of people at the top. They just don't know what's going to happen. That's the other thing too, and it's a really good point, that um, it's not that close a race. When you have a look at the ladder, it's pretty clear cut. And I mean, I'm obviously a Roosters fan, as most people know. I'm quite scared that I own a few Roosters players because like, I'm really happy that I own them for this week against Brisbane. But looking ahead, like we, we're not going to finish with the minor premiership. You know, Penrith are seven points clear of us. And we just basically need to stay in the top four. So someone like Trent Robinson, that last two weeks when we can't get the minor premiership, I'm I'm shit scared what someone like Trent Robinson might do uh, when he doesn't really care about that last couple of weeks. So likewise as well, you know, you've got Cronulla in eighth and the Tigers in ninth and there's a four-point difference. So there's a real chance that earlier than most seasons, um, you know, we're going to have a month of football left where no one outside the top eight can actually make it. And I'm pretty worried to sort of see what that looks like because I don't think we've seen it before. Yeah, it's going to be carnage. A bit like this week. Um, so let's let's go on to TLT and have a bit of a chat about the changes. And I, I will say this week has hit me harder than, than most weeks. I think it is absolute carnage. Obviously, we've got injuries galore, but we've also got a heap of people stuck by this crusher crackdown as well. Uh, so there's a lot of changes, but let's start off with the first game, the Eels vs Rabbits. The Eels have just got the one change with Davey coming in for Nukore, who was suspended for a crusher uh, for the South City Rabbitohs. Alex Johnson's actually out with his HIA protocols, so Corey Allen comes back, um, and Dane Gagai was a late withdrawal last week. He's back in for Masters. So probably with this particular game, as far as the trade market goes, Des, um, let's start off with the Eels side. There isn't... Any eels that are currently in the top ten most traded out, uh, most traded out, but traded in wise, Ryan Madison is right up the top of the list. So that completely makes sense. Probably the only thing that we need to talk about with Ryan Madison is why isn't more people trading him in? I guess 
15.7% at the moment of trading him in for this game. Um, he's completely bottomed out now. He's at 560k. Probably won't be cheaper the rest of the year. He's got a BE of 33. He would have been a lot cheaper. I know that I've now got to change my trades to get Madison in because he scored 115 points last week against Melbourne. I mentioned on last week's podcast that if you really need a second row, I think that there's a chance that Madison could go well, which I took my own advice because 115 points, he absolutely blitzed it. Coming up against Souths, who have a pretty weak forward pack at the moment these days, and then hitting the Warriors, harder game against Penrith, but then hitting the Broncos and Tigers the last two weeks. The Broncos in particular are really susceptible to edge players. I I know Madison's the number one trade-in guy, but I'm sure that you agree with me that he probably should be even more trade than what he is. He's probably everyone's number one target this week, or should be. Yeah, for sure. I'm bringing in Matto personally. He's It's been killing me not having him. I, I had him last year. I don't know why I didn't have him this year. Very silly of me. He's just those massive scores. He's making a ton of tackles. Um, his base was like 56, 57 last week, which is insane. That's like not including um, offloads or tackle boss or anything like that. And he is offloading in attack. He's setting up tries. He's doing it all. He's, he's a solid vice-captain choice this week. I'm going to vice-captain him. Yeah, I think that's a really good call. Uh, I think he's a very solid vice-captain choice for this week. Um, he's he's shown all that attacking ability. He's just thrown up 115. I actually thought he was going to put up more last week. Uh, I guess probably the one dis- the only disappointment for me with Ryan Madison this week is the fact that guys like Tom Alolo have gone down and people still have guys like Payne Haas. I think it's probably too easy to get him. Uh, it's kind of annoying, especially with Lolo. I, I wish Tom Lolo didn't go down because it sort of gives those teams an out to be able to get Ryan Madison without getting penalised. So it's it's a bit annoying in that way. Yeah, I'm one of those guys, in fact. <laughs> I'm going Lolo straight to Matter. Yeah, well, look. Easy as pie. That's got to be the, the best trade of the week. Um, but as far as guys that aren't necessarily in the top 10 most traded in, in or out for the Parramatta Eels, one guy worth talking about, we've mentioned him and spoken about him enough on this podcast, but... Um, not really for the last couple of weeks, and that's Mike Sebo. Now, Sebo's in my team, has has been from the start, so I kind of avoided any headaches of sort of getting annoyed about trading in after he's 145 and all that sort of thing and not getting bad, good scores. He, he certainly went on a bad run. Um, but I think in Supercoach, and I, I think that me and Billy agree on most things when Billy's on the podcast a lot of the time, but one of the things that we disagree on sometimes um, is guys like Mike Sebo. I sort of see him as value now. Like, I think that there's a threshold where it's like, it doesn't matter if they can put up a bad score in center wing when they can put up 145 points in their high games. At 371,000, it becomes value to get him in. And Sevo coming up against Souths, I'm, I'm pretty confident that he's going to go on another scoring run and he's going to get a try. Aside from this week, Souths obviously New Zealand the following week, so the next two weeks look pretty plumb. It works out really good, I reckon, to, to be having a look at Sebo this week because he's only in 18% of teams now because a lot of people jumped off him. He was close to 30% um, a, a few weeks back. 371k, Des, um, break even at 29. You know, am I wrong to think that maybe this is the opportune time? He's only got a three-round average of 47, but in saying that, um, he is one of those strike center wings and he has a eight-point eight, eight better than his last three rounds, hasn't scored that many tries of late, so... Maybe it's his time to, to continue on for the run home. Yeah, maybe. I actually brought in Blake Ferguson the other week. Just, uh, I'm hoping for one of those runs, you know, like, as you said, they can go on runs. Fergo hasn't scored a try all year. And he's, I think he's under 300k now, which is just insanity. He's, he's been so close to scoring. They, they want to get him over. But yeah, I, I think Sivo and Fergo are in the same sort of boat. 
if they don't score tries, they're going to get 30s. If they do, they can get 100 plus easy. So yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping Fergo takes over some of Sevo's scoring and gets me a big score. I actually owned Fergo last season, um, for one of those runs. I, I traded him in for, I think around five weeks and he scored six tries, I think, in five weeks and he averaged around 75. Then I took the price rise and traded him to Latrell Mitchell. It's a bit, a bit of a different season this year. Not, people aren't really going to be looking for money. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't really matter what players cost anymore now at this point in the season. But yeah, Sevo at 370k, he's definitely value. Well, it makes it pretty easy as well. I mean, like, uh, if I didn't have Sevo, I've got someone like, um, Avarillo, for instance, who's been dropped and who I don't want as an A nightmare. And it becomes really easy where you can just go injured Tom Malolo to Ryan Madison and not even playing in an A nightmare potentially in Avarillo straight to Sevo. Uh, that, I think that's amazing upgrades, and a lot of teams are probably in that boat, especially ones that weren't well prepared that don't have enough bank to do much else. So I think that they've got some pretty good outs in that regard. Um, I'm a big advocate of getting Sebo in this week. Um, I, I think he's a good budget one. But aside from that, there is a bit of a pod watch uh, on different forwards. So as we know, there's a lot of teams that still have Ryan Madison that don't need to trade him in this week. Those teams that already have Madison... And a lot of other good forwards are probably looking at it with Tom Malolo going, I don't really have many options to trade to. And they're starting to have a look at some, not really, um, well, some real pod options. And one of them is in this eel side in Nathan Brown. Anyone who listens to the podcast knows that I'm a big Nathan Brown fan. I only get disappointed with his injuries and his suspensions. He never disappoints me with his output. The last five weeks, he's got an average of 67 points as a five-rounder. And the last three rounds, he's got a 67 average. So he's been super consistent. For the last four weeks, he hasn't actually scored below 63 with a 63 to 78 range. Uh, and really, since coming back from his injury, he's only got one dud game at 38, um, one other game at 50s, and the other six out of those eight are, are, are sort of um, 70, uh, 60 plus. So he's doing really well. Um, his base is at 53, solid as a bank. And he's actually under 540k. So if somebody needed a bit of a, a cheaper pod foundation guy, especially if their rank's pretty good or they're building for their head-to-head finals, I, I don't mind Nathan Brown because I've got to admit, Des, I had a look around and I sort of went, you know, if I want to get two forwards in because I got kick out suspended this week too, there isn't really anyone aside from Madison that I, I really want that much. So for secondary forward, it's actually... It's a little bit of a tumbleweed spot at the moment. So Nathan Brown kind of stuck out to me a little bit. Yeah, no, he's he's definitely a super coach and He has been for a number of years. He he runs the ball very hard. Um, that's what I like about him. He hits very hard. He runs hard. And he, he actually looks really close to, like, breaking the line a few times during the games, and he just gets tackled by that cover defender. He definitely has the attacking stats in him, Brownie. I, I do like him a lot. It, it's It's really hard to go past Madison, but... If you gotta, you gotta take a risk and, you know, you can't always go with the crowd. If everyone's getting Madison, I'd, I'd say go Nathan Brown. I might actually consider doing it myself, to be honest. There's no downside to it, really. Yeah, and he's only 3% owned, so he is a massive pod and no one's even speaking about him. So, particularly those teams that own Madison, um, a good counteract of all the Madison yeah. ownership would maybe be to have a look at Nathan Brown as well and have both of them. Yeah, for sure. I, I doubt he'll outscore Madison in terms of overall points, but he'd definitely be a good partner with him. Yeah, for sure. So some other fallen guns that are still guns, but people think are fallen and aren't really being spoken about. 
One of them is Damien Cook. So Damien Cook was actually one of my two trades last week. Uh, and I was really happy with it because uh, I actually need the extra 50 grand for one of my other trades. And I know it sounds crazy, but I actually made 50 grand out of downgrading an injured Walters to Damien Cook. So I thought that was just marvellous that I could make enough money to do my second trade by, by getting Cook in as a downgrade. And he threw up 93 points last week. Only 39 of that was in base, which is actually uh, his lowest since the restart in his base points. Uh, that's disappointing, but... His attack was not disappointing at all. Another 50-odd points in attack, um, base attack and clutch attack stats and looked really good, I thought, against Manly. The only downside at the moment, though, is that he's obviously got the Parramatta Eels and the Melbourne Storm the next two weeks, so not great, but he does finish off with the Tigers and the Bulldogs before he hits a harder Roosters game, but the Roosters might rest some players for that, so... David Cook at 560k, Des. Um, a lot of people are going to have Appy Coruscant out. I've seen a lot of teams with questions because they've got Appy out now and they've also got, and they're worried about Little as well and they don't know really what to do. What do you think about Damien Cook at the moment? Do you think that the rest of the season outlook is, is going to be like last week or you think that was a bit of a, a flash in the pan? No, I'd say it's going to be similar to last week. Uh, people seem to forget how good Damien Cook is. He's he was the second best player last year in Supercoach, pretty much. I, I'm a big fan of him. I got him in two months ago, I think, like ages ago, right when he started to hit his straps. He got, I think he got like a 90, then a 136. I should have put the captain on him a few times, actually. Um, he, he's just so dangerous running through the rock when he gets a bit of, bit of, uh, like time and space. Um, can set up tries left, right, and center. If he brings out the offload, he'll, he'll go big in the last few weeks, I think. I, I think if you're in that position where you have to get rid of a hooker and don't have Damien Cook, get him in. It's it's a no-brainer. He's just so good. And you're not going to get him at the sort of ownership that he is at the moment. Like I, I think that he's around 18% ownership or possibly even less now. Oh, he's, he's just jumped up to 21%, so I look silly, but he went up a few percent last week. But 21% ownership for Damien Cook's pretty good considering how good he is. Uh, one of the things probably, Des, when we're looking at this particular matchup with this game, the Para Eels can be weak a little bit around the middle, uh, can be a bit slow as well. So it might work for someone like Cook. Um, and I will say, Damien Cook's high score against Parramatta Eels is 115. Now, pretty much half the league, he's got at least 100 plus on. Um, but 115, uh, that puts him at sort of equal uh, fifth highest points that he's scored against the Eels historically. So maybe against that pack, he actually does pretty well this week. Um, Storm is a bit harder, but... For this week, I think that he's a pretty prime trading myself. Um, Latrell Mitchell went really well last week, and I've really been up and down as a Roosters fan on my um, Latrell love. Been pretty critical of him, but at times this year I've wanted to trade him in. Um, he's 527,000. He is a centre wing that has that high upside, though. We saw against Manly, he scored 141 points, uh, and it was super disappointing not to have him in. I actually looked at him for that... Um, Broncos run from round 13 though and he threw up 63 points and he had to do that 63 heap of attacking stats so I didn't feel too bad about missing out and then against the North Queensland Cowboys he only put up 43 so I sort of felt well you know it wasn't bad to miss out on him and then he throws up 141 gets manly so all of a sudden he looks like maybe an option with a BE of 12 um, coming up against the Parasides that maybe you know Souths are rolling and maybe they fire up for. Yeah, I'd, I'd almost go out and on a limb and say if if you don't have Latrell for the like, last couple of weeks here, you're probably not going to win Supercoach. I think the person who wins it will have him in their team. They'll they'll trade him in. Um, I think he's definitely hit his straps. He's warm to that fullback position. 
he's throwing passes to his uh, his centers and wingers, which is just so crucial um, to do as a fullback. He's getting those line break assists. He's got by far the most line break assists in the comp. And even if his base is not good, he's you just know that he's gonna he will produce attacking stats. It's Latrell Mitchell. Um, I think he could be the top averaging center wing in the last five rounds. Even draw aside everything, I think he's hit form. He's, he's a confidence player, and he's got his confidence back. Fair call. He's he's only 14% owned too, so he's really going to make a difference. Uh, when we're having a look at this game, uh, you mentioned Madison as a as a VC option. Do you see anyone else that you may be liking it for the VC? Probably not an early C. It's a tough one. Maybe Dylan Brown or even Latrell if you have him. No one else I really like in this one. I think it'll be a pretty low-scoring encounter. I think both teams will really want to show their defensive prowess sort of heading into the last few weeks against other top teams. So I can't see a stupid amount of points being scored, especially with South looking to spread left and Eels have Mato and Moses who are defending really well together on the right. So I think South will have to find another way than just their standard left-hand spread attack. Yeah, I reckon that's a pretty good call. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game and a really good one. So I don't want to waste the, the VC. or certainly not an early C on this one myself. One guy that I've had a few questions about before we move to the next game, Junior Paulo, particularly because I talked him up at the start of the year and then ended up buying him and being really happy. And then the last few weeks, he's gone to shit. Um, I've had a couple of people actually message me and say, what are you doing with him? I, I'm actually going to hold him. A couple of reasons. One, um, I don't have a huge amount of trades, so I don't see it as an issue to... Um, hold Junior Paulo and trade other guys that I can't even use. But the other thing too is, um, three weeks ago, coinciding with his um, dropping points, is that he got injured uh, and only played like 29 minutes. And after that game, Brad, uh, Brad Arthur said, the the injury is a bit sore. It's probably not going to miss time, but we're going to have to manage it a little bit. Um, and I do think that we sort of saw him take less hit-ups, um, be a little bit less mobile the last couple of weeks. And I think he's gotten about three minutes or maybe four minutes less. Um, definitely not enough to be huge, but enough to make a bit of an impact. So I tend to think that he's going to come good in the next week or two anyway. Um, I don't know whether you've dabbled in some junior Paulo this season or or whether you stayed away or have any opinion on him. I haven't I haven't dabbled in him, but I, I definitely have put him in a couple of my articles um, as a serious pod. But, yeah, he, he was – it was that raining game, wasn't it, when he got injured? Or yeah, yeah, that's it. Was it? Yeah. Um, yeah, those ankle injuries. I've done a couple of them myself over years. They're, they're not, they're not friendly. He's put away the offload. He's running a lot more decoy runs, but yeah, if, if he'd stayed fully fit, I think he would have been a, a front row forward keeper for sure. He was, he was looking so good. Yeah, it's just a shame what happened to him. I know those ankle injuries are really crippling, but hopefully he can push through it and, and get back to, um, his best. I, I wouldn't be selling him just yet be holding him too. I think it's just it's not worth selling him. I think it's you're better off just holding him. Maybe if you don't want to play him for a week, that's fine. Don't know the score, but maybe a 2016 type of scoreline. See though for a try. He's going to be my sports bet of the week though. I reckon he's going over. Mate, let's move on to the Dragons Titans. This one's slightly less attractive as far as the amount of super coach options go. No change to the starting 13 for the Dragons. Um, nothing really particularly super coach relevant, except Billy Britton is on the bench. Um, so a bench hooker for Ben Hunt now uh, looks interesting as to whether he's going to get his 80 minutes at hooker or not. On the Titans side of things, we've got Ash Taylor coming back. And then Bo Fermore is actually going to get a start for those that have him. Um, Mo Fertowake is suspended, replaced at lock by Tyrone Peachy. So starting off with the Dragons' desk, as far as the trade market goes, there isn't a huge amount of players being traded in or out between these two teams. Uh, traded in players. 
the dragons don't feature anywhere on it, but one of the guys that I mentioned last week was Michaeli Rabalawa. And I, as I said earlier, because Sean Johnson got ruled out, I needed to buy a 5.8 or I didn't have one, so Rabalawa got reversed. He subsequently went up about $70,000 after scoring 115 points against the Broncos. Got a double. He's now gone back-to-back weeks with two tries. And four out of his last five weeks, he's gotten at least one try. That, that gives him a five-round average of 69 points, a three-round average of 80. And he's now coming up against the Gold Coast Titans, followed by the North Queensland Cowboys. 467k, I wouldn't have wanted to have paid that last week. But I think that he's every chance to go three weeks in a row scoring a double. Yeah, I think he could as well. Um, <laughs> we know the Titans aren't the best defensive defensive team, so um, I, I think the Dragons have a lot to offer for the last for the next few weeks, especially. Um, I like Pereira and Aiken as well. I think the Dragons definitely have center wing super coach relevance for the next couple of weeks. Uh, 467k. I don't know if I'd pay that, but yeah, if money's not an issue, he's definitely one to look at. The Titans will let in tries. There's no doubt about it. As for Ben Hunt, I, I don't, I'm not sure why the Titans put Billy Britton on the bench. That's Hunt's been playing really well at hooker. I, I think, I think he's, he has huge potential to be a pod in that halfback position. Um, especially with the easy draw. I think he will have a field day in this one, even if he doesn't play 80. He plays 70, 65. He, sh- he should still go pretty big since the Titans allow a fair bit of space out of dummy half. And I think Hunter McGuinness will exploit it. Yeah, I, I agree. Hunt looks like a really good pod. I, I just couldn't do it because of Britain at the moment. Um, I think it's a bit of... It'd probably be fine for this week, like you said, but it'd just be a risk going forward um, on what's going to happen there. But he hasn't gone below 50 in the last month of football. Um, and he's got a 50 to 83 range. So I, I would think he probably scores 80 this week as well. Um, you mentioned Aitken and Pereira. I was big on those guys, but Pereira in particular let me down last week. He, he had a really poor score. He didn't even make 20 points, I don't think. Yeah, uh, it's just, that's an a wing for you. The other week he, he made like 12 tackle busts or something like that. Something ridiculous. He looked like a world beater. But yeah, it's weird how some weeks he, he can get 12 tackle busts and the next he can get zero. Yeah, agree. It's a, I think I'm going to choose Rabalara out of the two wingers, and I think that he's got a good chance coming as a pod for me this week, at least for a two-week cameo. Talking about the opposite side with, with uh, the Gold Coast Titans, you mentioned that you brought in um, Brimson. He was someone who I haven't been big on in the past. So I just didn't really like his swings. But watching the game last week, he looked sensational against Canberra. His numbers were 90 points for Supercoach. That included one try, but it also included three line breaks. He's always the type of guy that needs to get a heap of clutch attack to score well, uh, but I suppose it's the same for many outside backs anyway. Putting on 90 against Canberra is no mean feat. He's obviously playing the Dragons this week, um, and, but then they've actually got quite a good run home, the Gold Coast Titans. So after this Dragons game, they've got the Bulldogs, uh, the Broncos, and Manly, and then also Newcastle to round it out. So... Really easy run home. Um, Brimson's now 496k, so he's no longer the sort of the cheap 360k option he was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, do you think that it's worth paying for him at the moment with what you've seen? Uh, are you going to hold him yourself, or what do you see him producing this week and going forward? Uh, uh, 500k, you'd be tempted to sell him, actually. I'm going to sell him next week to Monster, I'd say. But yeah, he has been great since coming back. I think he's had something like eight line breaks in the last three games 
which is just insane. It's it's a testament to how slimy he is, really. <laughs> he, uh, he definitely knows how to break the line. The Titans, you, you cannot discount them at the moment. They're, they're playing with absolutely nothing to lose. They're throwing the ball around. They're getting Brimson involved. So I can see why people would be tempted to hold him. But I, I just think if you don't have, like, Monster, which I don't at the moment, he's, he's the perfect trade-up option from Brimson. I really like Brian Kelly as well. Um, I think he's in form at left center. I like him as a pod trade-in. I've, I've been keen on him for the last few weeks, but I haven't got him in myself. But he, he had a bit of a quiet game against Canberra, just to be expected, but the tight, he's definitely the Titans go-to man in attack to get things. Yeah, I just can't wrap my head around Brian Kelly. I've had a few people ask questions about it and a couple of people pointed it out and it's, it's been like, it's been a good pod pickup, like when people have pointed it out, it was like, oh, I haven't really looked at him, and that's, you know, you've done well to sort of pick up how well he's been going. But I sort of said, you know, the last few weeks he's gone well, but this week he's just as likely to throw up a 30, and he threw up a 31, so I sort of guessed that one pretty well. But I know every centre has got their swings and roundabouts, so I just feel like Brian Kelly's bad scores can go on for a month and and not hit a good one, and I'm just a bit worried about that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the Titans are they're just throwing caution to the wind, though, and I think Kelly's going to get a lot of ball. So I, I can see why he didn't go well earlier in the year, but he, I think he's definitely going to get a lot more attacking ball, and the Titans are just they're playing with that sort of um, nonchalance about them. So that I think he'll be a solid pick for the run home. I think, yeah, last year he went on a, a run of like an 80 average for the last five rounds, and the Titans are still playing like shit, so he can he can score well in a bad team. Well, I'd certainly feel better about holding him if I got him for 400k in round 10 um, when he sort of started to come back from injury and sort of emerged as an option. Um, as far as this game goes, captaincy and vice-captaincy options, I think Lomax has put himself um, in the frame for a vice-captaincy. But I tell you what, there's, if somebody really wanted to chase, and I sort of said this the last couple of weeks, you know, if somebody really wanted to chase... It's it's funny that Lomax is a centre wing, but he's almost put himself in the conversation as a reasonably safe captaincy option overall. Yeah, he's gone 68, 69, and 103 the last three weeks. He's got a 103 and a 123, two out of his last five games. So those are sort of, you know, borderline VC loop type of scores. Um, but the last couple of weeks would be fine scoring more than what Teddy was if you just put the straight C on. Goal kicking is the Gold Coast Titans with the sort of attack that he's getting. Uh, he looks like a very viable option. Yeah, I don't mind it. Um, he's he's up against that Kelly edge though, so he might actually have a bit of trouble. I think Kelly might really uh, step it up to him, but I, I probably wouldn't waste my VC on him. I'd actually prefer to go someone like McGinnis personally, and just hope that McGinnis sort of gets some attacking stats going against the Titans. He could go like one twenty, one thirty if he goes over for a try and sets one up or something like that. I think he's probably a better option than Lomax. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's got a really high floor. Um, he just needs that try. But if you think that he might go that try, then, yeah, he, he might be able to get that score that can give you a loop option. Uh, how do you think it's going to go? The Dragons have been playing pretty well. Uh, the Gold Coast Titans have been trying hard. I tend to think the Dragons are going to be sort of 10-point better, but I can certainly see a lot of points being scored in this one. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I'd say Dragons by 10 or 12 points. But you just don't know what the Titans are going to serve up. You really don't. I think losing... Fodderwake and Arrow in the last few weeks is going to really hurt them. So I think their forward pack's a bit inexperienced. Yep. Um, and the Dragons should, should run over them. Yep, good point on the pack as well. Uh, Fodderwake is just yet another injury to add to people's ways. Uh, Roos is broken. Yeah, I had him. 
actually. Oh. <laughs> I had to sell them this week. Yeah, it's, there's just so many. Like, I think everybody has a combination of three or four players, um, out at the moment. The Roosters vs Broncos is the next game. So this one's a pretty big one. The Roosters have got Boyd Cordner and Daniel Tupo back. Um, so that pushes Nat Butcher to the interchange. Uh, and Manu Kavala was out anyway with the ankle syndesmosis injury. So if you're still holding him, he had to be sold for sure. Broncos news, Milford is gone with his hamstring. He'll probably score just as much on the sideline, though, so it won't really matter. Uh, replaced <laughs> by uh, Sean O'Sullivan. And we've got Isaac Luke gone and Brady Croft on the interchange bench. Uh, Corey Oates is actually on the extended bench, which is good news for Oates. With this one, let's start off with the Roosters. There's some big, big ins there, but certainly um, there's a lot of firepower to look at that's very super coach relevant. When we look at the most trained in players, there is actually one guy that is on there, and it's kind of a surprise, uh, but I was looking at him, so I can't act like it was that much of a surprise, and that's Brent Morris. Currently the ninth most trained in player, 2.4% of coaches, um, and you know he only came back from injury last week, and I think that coaches could have been forgiven for thinking that he was just sort of going to stink it up a little bit. I actually brought him in for his injured game, paid a lot of money for that, and then got really disappointed and had to sell him straight away. But 107 points he scored against the West Tigers. That did include a hat-trick, but that was his fourth 100-plus game this year. And for a guy that's only played um, 11 games, four out of 11 games to go 100-plus is huge, especially for a winger. He's coming up against this Broncos side that is an absolute shambles. He's super expensive at 650k, basically. But if you could bring anyone in and price didn't matter this week... Uh, Brett Morris would would probably be on the top of my list, I reckon. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so too. Uh, he just keeps finding the try line. What can you say? Like someone of his caliber, you, you expect him to keep doing it. I don't see why he wouldn't. He's got an amazing matchup. He's probably even a captain option this week against the Broncos. Honestly, if you if you bring him in and go for the the trade in captain, he could be an option. There, there's almost no sure thing this week than Brett Morris scoring at least one try. Like and and really like you'd have to be really confident that you get a double and a hat trick wouldn't be out of the realms of possibility either and just if he gets a double he's going to go sort of seventy five plus so you know you're going to get a good captaincy score um, but yeah I, I couldn't go the captain on him but I think that he's a real sneaky VC type of option to throw up one hundred and twenty hat trick yeah for sure I mean you'd have to be a pretty brave man not to captain James Desco in this one uh, like. The Roosters will give them a beat down. There's no doubt about it. And we know that Teddy's due and the Broncos are just, they're in shambles. Teddy will play himself back into form against them. You'd have to think. I, I can see him going about 120, 130 plus in this one. Yeah, I think so too. And that's probably the only thing that's going to stop me from, um, from the VC on Brett Morris, but I have to decide whether to bring him in or not yet. Do you think that it's worth, um, like doing kind of the reverse spend where like a lot of teams are probably going to be in my spot where you can kind of get a premium forward option um, and sort of a 400k, you know, center wing option. Do you think maybe it's a bit of a reverse week where you go, you know, wait a week on Madison and get like a 400k forward in or something and, and spend that money on like a Brett Morris? Do you think that's a bit of a, a, a pod strategy to reverse it? Oh, for sure. Yeah. But again, it, it just depends where you're ranked and what, what you're trying to do. If, if you are trying to play consistently, I'd say Madison is the better buy than Brent Morris. I think he'll probably score more on the run home than Morris will. But if you want to take the risk, it's there. To, it's this is the week to do it. It honestly is. 
Yeah, and I, I think one of the reasons why I bring that up as well for everyone listening is um, not because I think Brett Morris is better than Madison, but because if you're going to own some of these Roosters players, like a Brett Morris or whatever, I think it's a waste if you're not going to own them for this week. You know, this is we're talking about runs here, and the Roosters games after this are Canberra, Newcastle, Sharks, and South. Not hugely um, difficult matchups, but not the prime matchup, the cream matchup that you're going to get this week. So if you're going to get any of these Roosters in, I think that people should be planning for, for to get them in this week against the Broncos as opposed to waiting on them, Des. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I'm going to be bringing in Talke Aho this week oh. um, for Fodawaka. His, uh, his minutes are looking very good right now. In fact, he played 80 last week, and his base stats are exceptional. Uh, I don't expect him to stay on 80 minutes, but even if he gets 65 minutes, I think he's definitely a premium front row forward. He's, he's just got the offload. He's, he's got the attacking stats. He can bust tackles. I'm bringing him in. It's, it's a bit of a pod move. He's not too highly owned, but he definitely has some owners up there. Yeah, I, I've had him for about a month and I've loved owning him. Absolutely loved it. Like he's, He's going to get at least 60 minutes. So he's going to be in that 60 to 80 minute range. Um, and if Robbo only wants to play him 80 minutes every second week, then that's completely fine. He's at 10% ownership. So he's right around that pod territory. 599k, which means he's a direct swap with Lolo and some change. Um, when we talked about Nathan Brown as a bit of a pod option, um, you know, Takiyaho as a front row forward using some jewels. He's a definite option. I reckon that's a great trade for you. Coming off 102 points against the Tigers. And you always know as well if, if Flano's injured or manages to get dropped again or anything like that, he's going to be the goal kicker too. Yeah, if he's kicking goals, he's, an, he's he'll probably be the highest averaging player in Supercoach if he ever gets to that stage in his career where he's a goal kicker full-time. He'd, he'd be the absolute pinnacle. I love him. I reckon he's the, the best um, front row forward trade-in for this week if you had to get a prop. Um, let's go back to James Tedesco, though, our main captaincy option for this week. I tend to agree with you. I think it's 120, 130 plus. There's still some people that don't own Teddy or some that dropped off a couple of weeks ago that maybe traded him as well. I know he's gone on a bad run, but if people have jumped off Tedesco or, or haven't owned him, haven't gotten him back in the last sort of couple of months and sort of thought that they've gotten away with it, this is, he, he's, I know I've said that a couple of guys are kind of number one trading targets, but I've assumed that people have Tedesco in their teams when I say that. If, Forget everything else that we've said this week and just put the C on him as far as I'm concerned. For sure, for sure. If you if you don't have Teddy by now, you're not playing the game properly. No, no, no. 178 points is chump change against the Cowboys. 199, that's a shit score compared to what he's going to put up this week. He's, he's throwing up 300 points this week. He's, he's going to score six tries. Fuck him, uh, man. I, I, I can't not put the C on him, honestly. It's, um, it's a huge week. Um, let's have a bit of a talk about a couple of the other guys that have come in on this. I'm going to mention Daniel Tupo's name because he's been a great center wing for me this year until he got hurt. Um, I'm not going to suggest that I could buy him. Uh, I wish that he dropped a bit more cash. I'm just going to give a shout-out to him because he's back. Um, in a couple of weeks' time, he could be a, a definite pot option because he's got 114 break-even. He might be around that sort of 460K mark in a couple of weeks. But he's a definite watch. And against those Broncos wingers, um, to be perfectly frank, if, if my team was sort of set up and sort of didn't have the carnage that everyone has in their teams and you could buy anyone uh, as a centering pod option. Like I wouldn't even mind just for having him for this matchup just throwing in Tupo either. But I don't think many teams can afford to do it. But I'm definitely going to hit Sportsbet. Anyone that I don't own, Des, that I really want to own, I just hit up on Sportsbet so I've got a different reason uh, to watch it. I did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, Tubes, I reckon, is getting at least one try, probably a, an aerial try over those Broncos wingers. Um, this Broncos side that they've named, it's... Tom Dearden's looked really good to me. Um, Katoni Staggs has had his good moments, but they've equally got guys like Sean O'Sullivan hasn't played a game of first grade this year. We've still got Reese Kennedy starting at prop. Jordan Carr, who only just played his first game last week. Guys like the, the bench last week, we were saying, looked awful, but this week we've got Brady Croft on the bench to join Ricky, Bullamore, and Hoppelati. Uh, it just, I don't think that there's really anything to talk about with the Broncos aside from if you've got Patrick Carrigan just starting because he's going to be a beast. But other than that, I don't even think I'd want to start Katani Stags this week. What about David Fafida? He's an interesting one. A lot of people are thinking of bringing him here as a pod for someone like Lolo if, if they don't have him. I, I don't mind it because even, even though the Broncos are probably going to get smashed, they, they probably will most weeks. He's just that sort of player who can create something out of nothing, even when they're so behind on the scoreboard, which just keeps him so super coach relevant. I think he's a solid pod, but yeah, I'm I'm not sure I'd trade him in over Matto if I didn't have Matto. Yeah, I don't know. I've I've sort of been a bit standoffish on him um, for a few reasons, and like I'll see what you sort of think about it. But my thought process on David Fafita is. The Broncos are a mess. He's a 19-year-old. He's signed to go elsewhere. The coach is gone. I sort of thought that he might switch off. And three out of the next five games that he's got to finish the season are against um, top four teams, Roosters, uh, Penrith, and also the Parramatta Eels. The other two games are plum matchups. So, I mean, I think if I wanted to get him in, I'd wait until round 18. And if I kind of had the trades left, that's fine. And if I didn't, it didn't really matter. But if... If I'm getting in for that Gold Coast game, you know, playing his new club, playing Livy where I want to do it, and then you hit the Cowboys sort of the last week, I'd maybe see it for them. Um, but I'd probably be a bit too worried against the good teams and with the potential drop-off that um, there might just be some better pod options. Like, I mean, I think I'd rather a Nathan Brown in the next couple of weeks or or a um, Takiyaho for sure. Yeah, you're probably right, but it makes him even more of a pod if, like, if you bring him in against the harder sides because... Yeah, he can create things out of nothing, but yeah, he is going to be very reliant on attacking starts, that's for sure. So there could be a couple of games where he gets 30s, which will be absolutely crippling for people up top if they have him. So yeah, I tend well, to agree with I'm, I'm going to make the big call at this week. He's, uh, my big call for this game is David Fafita's getting 42 points. So there you go. <laughs> I can see the Roosters replicating their, um, their score they put on the Broncos six, seven weeks ago where it was 59-0. I don't think it's going to be too much different, to be frank. Probably maybe a 50-4 to scoreline, but something around there, you reckon, Des? Yeah, I'd say give the Broncos a try and give Reese's six or seven. Yeah, they'll win by 40, 50 points quite easily, I'd say. Before we go, for the Stags owners, do you agree that you, you might consider benching him? What, what would you do with him for this matchup? Uh, it's a tough one. If you do have enough depth in center wing, I'd probably bench him. Yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd bench him if you definitely have four other good players who are probably going to get 40, 50 plus guaranteed. I think Stags will get 30 or 40 this week, like Rafita, if they don't combine for a try, but he might be the Broncos' only hope at getting a try. <laughs> well, Warriors Knights is the next one. Um, this one's actually getting played at Tamworth. So with the Warriors, uh, we've got Chanel... Harris DeVita back at halfback. Elisa Katoa returns, which is good for people that needed some depth back and held him. Papa Lee is dropped from the 13 of the reserves, which is the story of his career. Uh, the Knights 
big changes. Mason Lino is in to replace Blake Green, who unfortunately did his ACL. That's huge news. So let's start off with the Knights, because I think this is the most relevant thing to uh, this particular game. Mason Lino coming in means that Kalen Ponger won't be goal-kicking. Now, he was terrible goal-kicking last week, but he has put up some really good scores. We've spoken about his numbers on the pod a lot the last few weeks and talked about him as a captaincy option and said, you know, he's... He's, he's sort of been back. He had a few games that are a bit lower, but he's always good for, you know, a decent score even when he's bad. 66 last week, you know, performance that wasn't as good as we expected. Still very passable, even if you threw the C on him. But, you know, 66, 89, 172 and 70 in the last month of footy sound like good scores, but all of them included goal kicking. He's got around about nine points a game that is his goal kicking points. Uh, and obviously when the Knights put on a huge score... That, that goes up to, you know, uh, 16, 17 points sometimes of his big scores. Not having the goal kicking, yeah, that's a pretty big impact. Are you hugely worried about it? He's, he's 750,000. So, I mean, if, if teams will, they could look at trading him and, and get some pretty big trade-ins in for that type of price tag. I actually don't own Ponga, so I'm not worried personally. And even if I did, I probably wouldn't be too worried. I, I expect him to hit back from last week. Nine points a game. It, it's not. It's not terrible. He's still elite. Even even when he does have the goal kicking, I think he averages around. Uh, when he doesn't, sorry, he averages around seventy-two points at fullback without the goal kicking. So I, I wouldn't be trading him out just because he doesn't have the goal kicking. He's he's so dangerous. Um, in saying that, I think the Warriors have been playing pretty well over the last month or so. So. Guys like Tavanga and Tohu have been holding up that middle third really nicely. Um, so it'll be definitely interesting to see how he goes um, through the rock. I actually own two of us a Shirk, so I'll be very interested to see if he can outscore Ponga in this one. Wow. Well, let's talk about that matchup. So when did you bring in RTS? How long have you owned him for? Um, I think I brought him in four or five weeks ago. Um, I, I brought him in and captained him against the Titans, and he got 90 that week. So I was pretty happy with that, but ever since he's he's been pretty poor. Um, other than last week where he actually scored a try for once, um, he's he's been very quiet. It's not the RTS of last season, that's for sure. But I brought him in just because I wanted a pod. I traded Ponga to him actually, and ever since then Ponga's been on a tear. Just been one <laughs> that of those. That didn't work out too well. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, with Ponga, I think I'm definitely holding him as an owner. I think that probably the biggest pro argument for not worrying about the goal kicking is, aside from Tedesco, I don't think there's a huge amount of other fullback options, so I don't really see the need. And if someone's going to average sort of 72 points rather than 81, then it's not really going to make a huge amount of difference. Um, I, in saying that, if this was a, if, if, if Turbo had come back a few weeks ago and was looking like the Turbo of old, you know, I'd probably consider a, a Ponga to Turbo type of trade potentially after this week. Um, but I just don't think there's many other options anyway, so you may as well just roll with the Teddy Ponga combo. Yeah, last five rounds, safe and sound. Yep. Other night that's uh, really interesting is actually a pod, um, but he is someone who I thought would be um, not spoken about much yet. He's appeared on the top 10 most traded in players. Did not expect that at all from Barnett. So Mitchell Barnett has been going really well. Um, and he's now the seventh most traded in player with 2.6% of coaches bringing him in. 570k, so he's at a reasonable price point. As far as what he's been doing, uh, he's been pretty consistent with his scoring since he came back from injury and started in the 13 jumper. 
So on the weekend, he put up 91 points, uh, and before that, 84 and 68. So his three-round average is 77. Uh, sorry, his three-round average is actually 81, and his five-round average is 77. Since he's been starting in the last five rounds coming back from injury, he's gone 79, 62, 68, 84, and 91. So nothing below a 62. Three out of those five games have been 80 minutes. The other ones have been uh, low 70s. So there's been a few injuries and stuff in there, which I've had a few night supporters point out to me, and that's fair enough, where he's he's managed to get some extra minutes and some extra opportunity because of injuries. He's also moved from 13 to Guerra's edge, um, but I think Sione's due back soon as well. So maybe that won't happen. But Barnett's been a guy that for years we've seen that he's got um, a solid base, but his money is in his base attack with his offloads, TBs, and also the clutch attack upside that he has. Is he someone that you've had a look at? Because uh, as a pod at 1%, he's probably still only going to be 4 or 5% owned after this round. And he's been looking pretty good. Yeah, he looks to be in career best form. I actually haven't taken a super close look at him before this week. But, yeah, that, that, that five-round average is bloody impressive. So if you want to make up ranks, he's your guy. He really is. If you, if you want to differentiate your, your front, uh, your second rowers. Um, I know the second row position is really stuck, so it's, it's hard to get in um, new guys. But he's, he's a perfect replacement for Lolo. He really is. I can see him going big. Yeah. He's three and five-round average is actually better than what Lolo's is by a fair way as well. Yeah, I'd say I'd say get him in if if you uh, want to make up ranks. He's a perfect guy. Yeah, I really like him this week against the Warriors in particular. I think that he'll go pretty well against that pack. Uh, aside from that, looking at the Warriors side of things, um, you mentioned that you own Roger, and you also mentioned that you owned uh, Tohu Harris and Tavaga. Uh, They've both been pretty solid. Yeah, I own Tavaga, not Tohu. Tohu's not playing 80, so he's, he's definitely not... He was on my radar for a while, but ever since he's not been playing 80, I don't think he's he's a keeper anymore. But Jazz definitely is. Yeah, I don't like it either that he's not playing 80, but I tell you what, with Jazz, he's he's managed to keep putting up um, points, but his minutes haven't been great, so that's stopped me from bringing him in. But, I mean, he scored great last week. He threw up 83 points, and he got 60 minutes out of it. Um, so I don't know whether that 60 minutes was... Yeah, a weird jump in minutes because it was a pretty extreme jump to what he'd been playing previously or, or whether they had injuries last week. Yeah, I actually didn't watch the game. I was playing golf. I, I just assume that he stays on bigger minutes. The Warriors really don't have much to play for, so I'd assume he'd want to spend as much time out there as possible. He, he's just one of those guys you can tell he just loves being out on the field. He's getting more and more match fit since coming back, so I hope that he stays on 60 minutes. Yeah, he should be, but it just it just took, you know, half a dozen games before they sort of put him up to that. He was normally a sort of, you know, the week before he only played 37. I think he had a HIA in there, but he's sort of been pegged around that 50-minute mark. It's always been a worry for me. Even on 50 minutes, I still think he's he's, he's getting like 1.3 points per minute, um, and it's mostly all base. He, he just goes berserk when he's out there. So I think Jazz on 50 minutes is still a keeper for me. He'll average 70s. With that, those sort of minutes. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I'm going to go a different way, but it wouldn't surprise me if that ends up happening with Jazz because he is a beast. Uh, the Knights weren't very impressive last week. How do you see this one going? I'd say the Knights win this. 13 plus, I'd say. As good as the Warriors have been, I think that the Knights just outmatched them everywhere on the field. Halves, fullbacks, um, forwards. Yeah. They're just, they're just better all around. I think Clemmer will dominate. 
Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Um, I will say a, a bit of a watch with this one before we segue into the next game. Um, Mason Lino's in, in, but they have played some of the other guys at six as well. Maybe a chance that, that he's got an opportunity to play against his old club in the Warriors. Um, maybe he'll also play his way out of that jersey in the next couple of weeks. So I will throw a little caveat that it's not set in stone that Ponga's not going to have goal kicking the rest of the year because Mason has shown that he definitely um, can't cement a spot and stay there. He hasn't done that previously. He's been dropped on the nights, I think, a couple of times after getting the number six jersey. So so maybe he doesn't stay there. Maybe Ponga gets it back as well. Uh, Sharks versus Cowboys is the next one. Now, the Sharkies have actually dropped Matt Moylan. He was terrible last week. Connor Tracy gets to start at 5'8". Sean Johnson, thank God he's back. So he's actually going to be playing half-pack with young Trindle gone. And Nakora returns in the back row. So that means that Talakai owners will have him on the bench. Uh, with the Cowboys, obviously, Tom Alolo is a huge out. Maguire um, replaces him at lock. Uh, and then the hammer's been dropped as well with Valentine Holmes returning as the main super coach relevant guys coming in. So... With the Sharkies first, I think the, the very first guy to talk about is we don't need to go through Sean Johnson. It's great that he's back, but Talakai, the last couple of weeks, has gained a heap of steam. He's become pretty much a must-play as a back rower that you could have in your centre wing. And whilst he didn't throw up a ton last week, he's still been pretty solid with the base. A lot of people sort of thought that because he'd won it on form that that back row jersey was his. I never really like it when that happens because, like I've said before, if you've got someone that you've taken the jersey off, they obviously had some decent quality, like Nakora that's been around for a couple of years and still young, every chance that they can take it back, and that's what's happened. Um, if you own Talakai at the moment, 450k, surely you'd have to just be cut and bait on him, I think. Yeah, I'd say so. It's a real shame. I actually talked to Talakai big time last week. You just can't, you can't hold that much cash for a guy starting off the bench. I think Nakora will be actually a pretty solid play this week. Um, he should take some of Talakai's points. I think Talakai would have gone huge if he started, unfortunately. It's just the way it goes. Yeah, and Akora's been pretty disappointing this year, and he might get a bit of a roll on. He's probably a bit too expensive to look at even as an extreme pod, but maybe a watch. Um, I guess probably the only saving grace with Talakai is because he's only got a 23 BE, you can hold him for this week and kind of you know, see if, if Nakora gets an injury or or if he manages to get dropped again after this week and make a call on him, on uh, Talakai next week, that's probably the only positive out of this lineup change. Yeah, I'd say so, yeah. Not much else happening with the Sharky side as far as um, the trade market or, or guys that are particularly relevant. On the Cowboys side of things, their most relevant player has always been Tom Alolo, and he's obviously gone for at least a few weeks. I've seen some teams sort of say that they might just hold him. Uh, I don't really see any point, so I'm, I'm interested, Des, to see what your thoughts are, whether they align with mine. But my sort of thinking is, even if you know it ends up being a three-week injury, there's only a couple of weeks in the season left, so it might be a waste for the, the Cowboys to even bother playing him. If they do play him, I could see him you know, playing 50 minutes and scoring like a 50-point type of outing each week and just being a waste. So I, I don't think that he's going to be particularly relevant for the rest of the year, even if he comes back for a couple of weeks. So... I'm really, really against holding him. He's the most traded-out player, so most super coaches agree. Yeah, I agree, 100%. He's definitely a trade-out. You'd be mad to hold him. It's just, it's it's too long with only five weeks left. Payne I Heist, wouldn't even be bringing him back in. Yeah, no, you wouldn't bring him back in. Payne Haas is like an exception. You you had to hold him because he was missing two of the last six, but Tom Lolo missing 
three or four of the last five. It's just too much. Yeah, definitely. Probably one other guy that's stuck out as a bit of a pod for the Cowboys, though, is the guy that's replacing him. Um, Josh McGuire actually goes into the 13 jumper, and he's one of the, those guys that just quietly has, has done really well this year. Uh, he's kind of surprised me. He's always been one of those solid guys, but too much of a plotter for Supercoach, where he's sort of been, you know, a 54-point average in 2019, and that was sort of where he was at. But this year he's averaging 67 points, sort of gone under the radar. A few astute Supercoaches have jumped on, but... 535k, as far as pods go, he's coming off 75 points last week, where he played 68 minutes. Um, his minutes have been up the last two weeks at an average of around 66, uh, which is getting him back up there. Now, playing Locke, he's probably got a lot more minutes potential. He's a guy that can play 80 minutes if they need him to. Uh, how do you like him as far as a, a pod trading, just getting Lolo's replacement into your super coach team? I don't mind it. If, if he does stay on like 70 minutes at Locke, it gives him potential to get a bit of upside. He's he's not known for his attacking stats, put it that way. So I don't see him going huge in any of these games. But if he maintains 70 minutes or so, he might average 75, 70, 70 to 75 for the last five weeks, which is elite. So I don't I don't mind it. But you're not going to get any big 100 plus scores from him, I don't think. Yeah, four out of his last seven games, he's gone 70-plus. So he's got a pretty good 70-plus strike rate. And he's very consistent in the gun stats. Uh, only two scores all year that have been below 60s. Uh, sorry, three scores all, all year that have been below 60s. But one was a 57. Hasn't scored a try all year, though. So, yeah, that upside is just a killer. So that's probably the thing that will make me choose somebody else. Captaincy and vice-captaincy options in this one, Des. Uh, do you see any that you like? I, I'm sort of... I keep looking at Sean Johnson, even though I know I'm going to captain Teddy. Sean Johnson looks pretty appealing here. No, nah, I'd, I'd go Teddy for sure. Steer away from SJ in this one. Not sure what will happen in this game, actually. You, you'd suspect Sharks to win comfortably, but I'm actually just not convinced. I think the Cowboys might actually give him a little bit of a scare. Maybe the Valentine Holmes um, delayed revenge game after he played poorly against him to start the year. He's going to you know, revenge his 32 super coach points from round four and throw up a ton against him. Maybe. Never know. Well, let's move on to the next one because I don't know what's going to happen with that Sharks-Cowboys one either the way each have been playing. But Panthers-Tigers is a lot more interesting. So um, Coruscant's out and Kikau's out. I own both of them, so it's terrible for me. Brian Tuo makes his comeback from his ankle injury, which is good. Uh, for the Tigers, Harry Grant's also returning, which is great for super coaches. Little is on the bench um, with Josh Reynolds dropped, so Little on the bench is going to take away some minutes, no doubt, from Harry Grant. McKaylee and Twal are both promoted to the starting side now, um, so that becomes interesting for, for anyone that held Twal. On the Panthers side of things, first up, there's going to be quite a few super coaches that are that are looking at training at Happy Coruscant. Um, there's been a bit of a mixed reports on on what's happening with him. Um, it looked like it could only be a week, otherwise it might be two or three. Bit hard to know when it sees um, strains in the legs that can last for a few weeks and be week to week propositions. Almost 10% of super coaches are trading Appy. Um, I'm actually just going to hold him just because I got more important trades to make, but. What's your take on, on Coruscant? You know, would he be one of the guys that you're trying to get out of your side or would you just leave him there as a second hooker for now? No, I'd actually be trying to trade him out. I think if you, if you don't have any more pressing issues, then I think he's a trade out to someone like Cook. I'm not too fussed on Harry Grant. I, I don't think he's a trade in, put it that way. If, if you held him, then he's probably a play, even not on 80 minutes, but I, I don't think you'd be holding Coruscant at this point. 
I think you have to get in a, a second gun maybe to Smith or Cook if you don't have them. Yep, fair enough. And we got Smith back this week, so that's a pretty easy upgrade. Um, a couple of quick pod suggestions to talk about for the Panthers. One of them looks a bit dirty as a pod, but, you know, when we're looking at options in the second round forward and they're not great, and you see a guy score 99 points against the Sharks last week, you need to probably have a bit of a look and do your due diligence. Liam Martin uh, is probably the reason that Matt Moylan got dropped. He ran over him a couple of times. 496000 and it cost you to get Liam Martin in Des. He is coming off that 99, but he seems to throw up a dud score every second week. Uh, so 99, 45, 73, 60, 45, the last five rounds, but it still gives him a five-round average of 64 and a three of 72 points. Um, his base is terrible. Get that out there. 41 points base as an edge forward, but he does have some base attack and attacking capability. And the the Panthers draw window is great. The Tigers edge, he can go well against this week. The Broncos edge, he'll almost 100% score a try against. Then Parramatta, Cowboys and Bulldogs to round out the great Penrith run. So he is an ultimate pod, Des. He's only 1% owned. But in this five-week period, this is the type of play that, that we talk about where you can get someone that isn't necessarily a great super coach option, but he's a great one for the run of five games that he's got coming up. I'm not going to suggest that he's a great buy or people should be trying to chase him to do it, but I did look at him as an option myself, I have to I have to admit. Yeah, he, he's definitely uh, got Supercoach caliber about him. He he runs the ball really hard. He can break the line. He can tackle boss. He, he's got the package. It's just whether he can produce it um, a few games in a row, that's the question. If you, if you want to back him in for some consistency, then he's definitely, I'd say... He's, a fair enough buy, fair enough pod. But, yeah, I'm not sure he'll be able to average 90-odd for the next five weeks. But if he does, he's the ultimate pod. Yeah, it's probably a big ask. But, you know, if he averages 70, that would be achievable at least. But, um, that might actually happen. What I will probably say in his favour is um, if you are short on cash, he's probably one of the very few decent options that are sub-500k in secondary forward. There probably isn't much else there at that price point. Uh, and that's probably the biggest selling point to look at someone like a Liam Martin. Brian Tuo is returning. He's got a big B, BE of 96, but 485k, he is someone that you could, you could pay that for. Believe in the Panthers run coming up. It is his wing spot. I don't believe that he's going to be dropped or anything. Um, and he is going to have great opportunity against the Tigers and the Broncos the next two weeks, especially. He is an ultimate pod option. Normally, with guys coming back from injury, you'd want to wait. Um, but some people might want to get a centre wing in for this Tigers matchup. He's a real shot in the dark pod. But you know, if you really wanted to go there and get someone that's one percent or less owned, um, Brian Tuo, he's a guy that could go and run. He's had some great base stats in the past as a centre wing. Yeah, Brian Tuo. I think he's he's definitely a trade in on that right edge. Cleary's just he's been unstoppable the last few weeks. His kicking game has been superb. And I think he'll put a few kicks into towards wing. But yeah, I, I can't see him not scoring tries. I, I'd say in the last five weeks, he could score upwards of five, six tries, which makes him a fantastic pod. And yeah, I, I don't see any problem with running with three, four Penrith center wing for the run home. Their draw is just that good. And I can't see them being shut down at all against any of the teams they play. Yeah, Josh Mansell killed it last week, and, and he's in the top 10 most traded in. But equally, like I came into this round, normally I would have been really excited like the last few weeks of you know having five Panthers to play, but I lost Kikau, and I also lost Appy, so I don't get to play them. But I do own Stephen Crichton, 
and I'm pretty excited for him this week. If I had Mansour, I'd be excited for him. Uh, really, all the all the back lines could go well this week, and that comes to your man Nathan Cleary to talk about briefly. He looks like the clear-cut C option in this game. Potentially, you know, if people looked at the numbers and Tedesco was easily the most heavily captain player this week and they needed to do someone different, um, I would probably say Cleary might be the way to go. 100%, yeah, I totally agree. Do you reckon this is going to be a bit of a smashing des? Panthers over the Tigers, um, Cleary getting it back over his old club again? You'd have to say so. Yeah, 13-plus specials for sure, but really I, I think that the Panthers are going to score... 30-plus points. Backs are going to go crazy. Um, Storm versus Seagulls is the, the second-last contest in this round. And we've got Cameron Smith and Cameron Munster and Jerome Hughes back right at the right time for the Storm. Um, and Jesse Bromwich comes back to help him out as well. So Tino goes to the bench. Uh, for the your Seagulls, Des, we've got Moses Suley out for the season now with the Gauls replacing him at centre, which is going to be interesting. Um, Joel Thompson back in the back row. Um, to power returning as well. So, mate, your your side is shot for injuries at the moment, isn't it? You just can't take a trick. Yeah, I'm really not looking forward to watching this game. I might uh, I might have to go play around the golf um, again. <laughs> Sunday games. Yeah, I don't know. I just I can't see Manly getting away with this one at all. I think Storm really want to bring the pain to Manly. Um, Bellamy will have them fired up for sure. It'll be a very tough day out for Manly. I just can't see them scoring any tries. Jack Kozowski's just going to get absolutely attacked that entire game, surely. Like, I'm, I'm quite surprised that Dez has put him in at centre against the Storm. Yeah, is he? where is he, left centre? Yeah, I think he's on the left. Okay. So I was going to say, if he was right centre, Munster would score a hat-trick on him, probably. But yeah, I, I just don't see it going well for Manly. They'll get, they'll get belted in this one. So, we've obviously got the Munster owners rejoicing, um, but Looking at this manly lineup and how badly they've been going, and now that they've eliminated from from making the top eight, pretty much. If you didn't own Cameron Munster, even though he's got a reasonable BE, he's a bit of a pod trading. Having said that, obviously the injury risk is there, Des. So Cameron Munster has had a few injuries. He has been a guy that has come back before. I've traded him in twice in the last five years, where he's come back from an injury and he's gone down again that same game. So you're going to have that huge risk, but he's going to have that huge upside if you wanted to grab him and just bring him in for this one. Yeah, he's a cheeky captain option as well. If you wanted to look past Teddy and Cleary, I think I think he could go huge in this one if he stays fit enough. 130 plus, I reckon. Yeah, the the two Camerons are going to be big trade-ins for this game. Cameron Munster and Cameron Smith have got huge upside for this game. Um, I couldn't... If you wanted to trade for either of them, I think that they're both really good options. Uh, if you own Ryan Pappenhausen, this is the type of Game that you're waiting for to try and get another 100 point outing. Um, and you know, if you had Ado Car there, just get the dust off him while he's not been playing and just throw him in your starting four center wing. Cause yeah, I, mate, I, I don't want to do this to you on your, on your All Stars podcast day, <laughs> I think the Seagulls might lose by 50. Yeah, I tend to agree. I just can't see it going any different to the South game last week. They just, they just got, that uh, that left hand edge for South just destroyed them. I think Melbourne will do the exact same thing. I don't see why they wouldn't. They'll just go left and left and left. That manly, manly right edge will get peppered. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a bit of an interesting one where you've got some guys in this Seagulls side where, you know, a few people own Daily Cherry Evans. Um, a, a few might even still be holding Marty to power. And these are the type of guys, like, even if it's a power, you're going to have to play him this week because I think most people are going to be pretty short uh, on numbers. So, But... 
if you had the chance to bench any of these guys or trade them, you know, this would be the week that I'd be jumping off for Daly Cherry Evans or, or at best, I, I wouldn't be playing him. Yeah, I mean, Cherry's one of those people who can still score. Like, he's him and Jake Trebojevic both still scored, like, 60 last week in a team that got absolutely hammered. So he has potential to still score well in a team that gets absolutely destroyed. So uh, he's, he's still a pod, but, yeah, he's probably he's probably a sit-out this week against Melbourne. Their defence is just too good. Yeah. Yeah, ringing endorsement there from the Seagulls, the Seagulls supporter. He can, he can still <laughs> maybe get a 60 when they get belted. So if you want to risk a ceiling at 60, go for it. Right, let's move on to the last game. I'll put you out of your misery, Des. <laughs> we'll move on from the Seagulls. <laughs> um, Raiders versus Bulldogs. Now, with the Raiders side, um, CHN is out. Um, we've got a de- debutante on the bench in Tim- Timiko, I believe it is. Papali, Louis, and Hudson Young all back in the starting side after being moved to the bench last week. Bulldogs have got half a dozen players that they've dropped. So Luke Thompson is apparently rested. Um, Jack Cogger, Remus Smith, Lafoy, Avarillo, and Sue are all out with um, a heap of guys coming in that nobody's going to buy for Supercoach. But that type of turnover, talking about the Bulldogs, um, isn't good. Probably the only two positives I can see out of these Bulldogs changes. Uh, one, we've got Will Hoppelati, um healthy and back at number one, which is going to be great for him because he's always good there. Uh, and two, the AE nightmare of Amarillo isn't there, so he's not on the bench. And that's probably the only two positives I can take away from this um, this Dogs lineup, Des. Yeah, I really like Opawade. Um, I actually put him on my pods article last week. He's he's just a center wing keeper at fullback. He really is. Um, he averages like 70-odd there. So um, even in a team like the Bulldogs, who are coming dead last, he still scores well. That's just a testament to how good he is. If he pulls out the offload, um, he could be a keeper in the center wing for the last five weeks for sure. Yeah, it's amazing how well he goes and, and how little props he gets. And not even just in Supercoach, but in real life, like people don't recognise it to the point that he ends up getting dropped from fullback all the time, back yeah. at centre and on the wing and stuff. Like, it's, it's he'd, crazy. It'd be so good if he was at a team like the Roosters or some, someone like that. You'd be able to see how good he really is. Just a shame he's at the Bulldogs. We might try and buy him after the, the Morris boys retire after next year. <laughs> <laughs> over. On the Raiders side of things, uh, one of the guys that's in the top 10 most traded-out players is George Williams. Um, I completely agree. He was one of the options I looked at as a last-minute uh, replacement at 5'8", because I'm um, sure Johnson was out and I needed 6. He only scored 23 points, which was hugely disappointing in a good matchup last week. He is that type of player that, that really has that low that low floor, but I don't know if I'd be trading him out against this Bulldogs side this week. I mean, I don't think he's going to get two bad weeks in a row, and he's just as likely to score a try against the Doggies this week, George Williams. Yeah, I probably wouldn't trade him out against the Dogs, but the Dogs, may they may put up a fight in this one. I'm not sure. They're, they're the sort of team that could give the Raiders a bit of a, a run, but the Raiders have just been looking really good the last few weeks. They They do seem to time their form coming into the last month of regular season footy. Most years, so I expect him to win it pretty comfortably, and I can see George Williams going 70 odd. Um, if he gets a couple of try assists, um, guys like Kotrick and Rapana are serious options in this game as well. You know, I've just got to give you a huge, huge props, Des, because out of the 10 people that have been on this podcast this year, you're the first one that mentioned my boy Kotrick, and that's that just deserves a clap because that's amazing because I get hassled about it all the time that I've got Nick Kotrick in my side, I have all year, but. 
I dusted him off the last two weeks after not playing him for a few weeks. He's got 102 and 82 the last two weeks, and he, he plays his team that he's signed on for next year, the Bulldogs, so I'm sure he's going to have a point to prove. Yeah, I, I really like him. I, I think he's got huge potential. He just needs to find the try line more. If, if he finds the try line, he, he goes big. I can see why you got him at the start of the year. I was tempted to get him myself. Never got around to doing it, but, yeah, he, he definitely has super coach caliber about him. can bust a lot of tackles, um, and I think the Raiders are in form. He, he might go huge in the last five weeks of the year. Yeah, the last uh, two weeks he's got a double. So I think he's every chance of doing that again this week against the Doggies. Rapata's likewise done pretty well lately as well with a try last week. So I agree with all of that. Uh, mate, the last two to mention in this in this game, the edge back rowers for the, the Raiders. One of them's John Bateman, and he's been trained in heavily, and he has been for a few weeks, and that completely makes sense. And the other's Elliot Whitehead. Both of these guys have been running pretty rampant on the edges. For Supercoach, um, I mean... Angus Crichton was the template of what the Bulldogs' edge could give up to another edge back rower. Uh, he scored 125 points against them about six weeks ago. It's very, very likely that one of these back rowers is going to do the same on one of these edges. Yeah, I don't mind Bateman as a cheeky uh, pod captain option. Um, he could hit a ton, but I, I think that you're going to get a solid... I mean, I'd be surprised if he was below 80. I, I think that he's going to be up there, so have to agree with you. In the last game as well, you can certainly take a... Take a stab at a, you know, VC Teddy or something in case he doesn't have a huge game, uh, and then go for the the safety John Bateman at the end. I don't think you can get a bad score out of him. I'm going to go Raiders by 24 points in this one, mate. I think it's going to be a bit of a smashing at GIO Stadium. I give the Dodgers a bit of a chance. I'll say Raiders by 12 points. Bit of a chance, not quite 13 plus. <laughs> no, not 13 plus. Well, that's all the games. Thanks, Heath, for jumping on. Really like getting some um, some past winners on and also some, some other guys around the Supercoast community on to get some different perspectives and stuff. Um, so thanks, Heath, for jumping on. It's been great to yeah. chat about footy. No worries. Cheers for having me. Anytime. Yep. Well, get on the Supercoast playbook as well if you haven't, everyone. Thanks for jumping on, Des. Everyone that's listening, go and jump onto iTunes and SoundCloud to subscribe and, and download the podcast. Follow us on Twitter as well, NRL underscore SC underscore all stars good luck with all your captaincy options this week and your trade-ins remember there's only five weeks left so just go for it and all the best until next week